We spend $250 billion a year on defense. And here we are. The fate of the planet is in the hands of a bunch of retards I wouldn't trust with a potato gun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. Jason! What? What is going on? I I turn on the Michael Bay simulator because of the movie we're reviewing this week. Oh, what? What is that? It's the audience patience alarm. If I don't turn off the simulator soon, we'll lose the audience. Ten seconds until complete audience disinterest. Turn it off! I'm trying, but it's stuck! Jason, turn it off! I'm gonna do it! Turn it off! Oh, hey everybody. That opening bit really didn't tell you what movie we're reviewing, did it? (laughs) Well, it kind of (laughs) did. Yeah, it kind of did. We're reviewing a Michael Bay movie. Oh, God. Perhaps Michael Bay's most Michael Bay-est movie of them all. Oh, yeah. Armageddon. Mm. Armageddon. Sorry. I know that this is our New Year's show, the first show of the new year, but this show would be more appropriate for the first show of last year. Yeah. Well, (laughs) hopefully it doesn't turn out to be appropriate for this year. (sighs) Yeah. We're doing Armageddon 1998, about meteors and asteroids and oil miners and animal cracker sex Uh, and all that stuff. And Steve Steve? Buscemi is a genius. And and horny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Steve Buscemi, Buscemi is a lot of things, like uh, a stand-up fucking guy mm. who, you know, is a firefighter in real life. Did you know that? Yes, I did, actually, yeah. So don't you talk about him. He could be a genius if he wants to be. He's a, And he's a fine actor. Yes, he is. He is a fine actor. <laughs> so before we get into the who, man, what the fuck, what, <laughs> Steve, do you have anything that you would like to say about Armageddon before we start our trivia and shit? <laughs> no, I just... Just want to say to, to all of our listeners who watched this movie before listening to this podcast that I am so deeply sorry. Oh, yeah. Me too, kind of, I guess. We'll have to get to the review part, right? Yeah, we. Ha- I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. Spoilers. And, oh, hey, guys, there is one thing about this movie. It's the science that's in this movie, and I'm not going to make any comment, and neither is Steve, about right. the science that's in this movie. We're only going to be commenting on the, this movie itself, and you want to know why? And that's because I have a movie science podcast, and you guys are going to go to the Armageddon getting one. It's called, it's called <laughs> Cinetific. And I do it with Professor Aaron Sharp. And we are going to dissect the science in this movie with a fine tooth comb. But that's not what this podcast is about, is it? Can I just say you brave, poor bastards. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. You have bitten off quite a bit of work for yourselves by doing this. This is a career-making move. It's <laughs> a, in, as, as far as cinematic science goes, for those those professors such as myself who have gotten a degree in in cinematic science, this is the type of paper that will make our careers if we survive the <laughs> or, experience, or at least get you some flowers from Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson. So for those of you who are here for the review, great. But if you want to hear the science of this movie torn apart, 
support, then please listen to the upcoming Cinetific podcast that um, um, will be coming out here on Let Me Finish Soup. There you right, go. Steve? Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I, I take your word for it. I have nothing to do with it. Okay, yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, let's do the Who Made It. You want to do the Who Made It yes. and all that stuff? Let's, let, let us read off the list of defendants. Okay. <clears throat> it was directed by Michael Bay. You don't say. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Produced by co-collaborator and person who's partially responsible for all this shit 99% of the time, Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, yeah. But also, surprisingly, Gail Ann Hurd and Michael Bay. Michael Bay produces his own stuff. That's but Gail Ann Hurd does other stuff. Yeah. Like, good stuff. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, I love this. Let's do it. Um, now, according about this movie, and I just want to get this in here, according to uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, who's the writer of Deep Impact, which was a movie that came out coincidentally the same year this did a production president at disney took notes on everything the writer said during lunch about his script and initiated armageddon armageddon as a counter film at disney yes that's right this is a disney co-produced film funny i didn't see the armageddon ride at, at disneyland but maybe that's coming <sighs> armageddon world oh god aren't we living on it screenplay by jonathan hensley tony gilroy shane salerno and get ready steve I'm ready. J.J. Abrams. Oh, baby. I'm not done. Uncredited. <laughs> oh, God. Paul Aten- A- Atanasio. Atanasio. Oh, my God. Okay. He's really good. Anne <gasps> Biderman, Scott Rosenberg, and Robert Town. Hey, oh what's our God. writer count? What's our writer count on this script, Steve? Uh, what was that, eight? Uh, yeah, Gee, eight. Oh, my God. Eight people wrote this script. Robert now, Town? Um, uh, yeah, Robert Town. Oh, my God. Okay. What else has Robert Town done? Didn't he write China? Town? I think so. Oh my God! What the fuck? What about uh, what about uh, Paul Antonasio? Yeah, well, he was uh, he's done tons of stuff. He's he was uh, one of the creators of Homicide on TV. Uh, I think he wow. was a, he was a he was a creator and executive producer on House. He's done a, he's a, mm-hmm. bunch, a bunch of HBO stuff. I think. Yeah, I mean he's mm-hmm. he's a, a fairly accomplished writer in TV and film. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what you'll do for money. Yeah. Especially if you're a writer in Hollywood. I'm not going to pass judgment on any of them. Not even on J.J. Abrams. You gotta eat. Who got credited in the movie. J.J. Abrams did a lot of awful stuff before he came into his own. tons of awful garbage. Yeah, I mean... Before he went to TV and produced awful garbage. (laughs) (laughs) He had to cut his teeth somewhere, you know? (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not everything could be regarding Henry. (laughs) Sadly, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, story by Robert Roy Poole and Jonathan Hensley. Um, I uh, occasionally what I'll do is I'll look up the scripts if I can find them. IMBD, IMBD has some of the scripts, and I looked up the script. Um, and it's the original script by Jonathan Hensley. And holy shit, is it nothing like the movie that we see? There are little dibs and dabs in there, but for the most part, it is complete. It, it, it's like I think everyone has a line. Every writer has an individual line in there that they they threw in. And I mean, it is been changed a lot but eight people do that anyway uh starring bruce willis as harry stamper ben affleck as aj billy bob thornton as truman Liv tyler as grace will Patton as chick steve buscemi as rockhound michael clark duncan as bear owen wilson as oscar clark brawley as fred noonan peter stormare as lev william fitchner as colonel willie sharp ken hudson campbell as max keith david oh keith David. 
<laughs> Can you just be in everything? Keith David is General Kimsey. Jessica Stein as co-pilot Jennifer Watts. Jesus, this just keeps going. Grayson McCouch as Gruber. Jason Isaacs as Dr. Ronald Quincy. Chris Ellis as Walter Crow. This just keeps going! There's a lot of characters. Grace Zabriskie as Dottie. Judith Hogue as Denise. Udo... 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 I know this actor. Yeah. Udo Kier as Psychologist. Thanks for giving him a name. Yeah, really. And last but not least, well, definitely least, Charlton Heston as the narrator. Mm. Music by Trevor Rabin. Cinematography by John Schwartzman. Edited by Mark Goldblatt. Blatt, excuse me. Chris Lebenzon and Glenn Scantlebury. That's right, three. Took three editors. Three of them. <sighs> Took three. Because it was so frenetic. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think there was one person to edit the montages, one person to edit the, the, the action scenes, and one person to edit where people just fucking talk at each other. <laughs> one person to cut all the shot lengths in half. But the way it's shot, it's hard to tell what is a montage, what is regular dialogue, and what is an action scene. Yeah. Because they're all shot so uh, frenetically that you can't really tell which is which. <laughs> they're just guessing. <laughs> wait, wait, is this an action scene or is this dialogue? Uh-huh. <laughs> Michael Production Bailey, company. <laughs> Production company Touchstone Pictures, Jerry Bruckheimer Films, and Valhalla Motion Pictures. Distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. It was released on July 1st, 1998. Running time? Way too long for a movie of this type. 150 minutes. Budget? 140 million. Box office? 553.7 million. So it made its money. So, again, as, as you observed in our Phantom Menace review uh, a big old red flag that there's something seriously wrong with our culture (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm not going to blame I'm not going to blame the American people I'm going to blame the the emotional manipulation that's in this film we get to the review part okay because there's there's a shit ton of it yeah a bit (laughs) Bay Bay, I I don't know how to say this Bay is kind of a genius and and we'll get to that part when we get to the end part oh by the way guys I'm getting over a flu so some of my review may be tainted by that so don't I may be completely off and and Steve and I will probably come to blows at the end of this over this All right, Steve, let's get in our spacesuits. Okay, Come on. Here we go. God damn it. Uh, uh, it feels weird not doing this to, you know, driving music, but okay, let's you know, put our helmets on. Okay. Let's climb into these fake made up fucking titanium space shuttles. Yeah, good, good thing we and, just so happen to have these laying around, eh? And let's launch ourselves at the monster asteroid that growls at us uh, while flying yeah. through space. Yeah. And let's, re- let's just recap the plot to Michael Bay's Magnum Opus. Mm. Armageddon Steve Hugo Well We open on Earth 65 million years ago Oh do we see dinosaurs? Um Do we? I don't think we do Nope No Cheap we, We just see Earth and, and it, we're told by the narrator, Charlton Heston, that uh, it's 65 million years ago and the dinosaurs oh. dominated the Earth. Yeah. But, then, uh, but then an asteroid six miles wide changed all that. And it became the planet of the apes. Yeah, oh, please. Please let this be Planet of the Apes. Um, Technically, it did. Yeah, and I guess it sort of did. Yeah, and uh, and I will I will not comment on the gross scientific inaccuracy of this. Do not <laughs> of the scenario pitched here because it's I will cattle prod you. It's it's quite outrageous. Um, we are not here to comment on how but, stupid the science is because man, we're this, going to do that in another one. This episode of scientific most is it going to be like three hours long? Are you guys just gonna, probably <laughs> you guys didn't pack a lunch because you have your work cut out for you. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, but okay, so 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 that's 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 the the the, the asteroid that supposedly killed the dinosaurs and, and wiped out all life on Earth. Blah blah blah. Sixty five million years ago, and yeah. uh, and the then narrator, we see the titles. Yeah, the titles. Oh. The narrator says. Oh well, the narrator says it happened before and it's going to happen it's, again. It's going to happen again, maybe very soon. You know, maybe in this movie, maybe even. in a few minutes. I don't know. <laughs> Is it happening now? <laughs> Run outside your theater and look at the sky. Panic! Run now! <laughs> this isn't part of the movie. This is happening. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so then we, we, we cut to, to the modern day and... Well, Astro- wait. First yeah. we have to do something that Bay always does. Soup. And the 90s did constantly, especially during these movies. They show us the titles, right? Yes. And then the titles either break apart or explode at us. Yeah. <laughs> the movie throws things at us. Right away. (laughs) There was no such thing as a subtle title in a movie in the 1990s. It was just something exploding at us, something zooming in from over our heads, and then coming into frame, and then exploding at us. This one, it comes at us, and then it explodes all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. That's important, Steve. Oh, it's it's very much a key component of the Michael Bay aesthetic. (laughs) Need those credits to just explode all over them. Not just Michael Bay. Remember, his, his chief competitor at the time was Roland Emmerich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like competing to see which titles could explode more. (laughs) The entire film will just be an exploding title sequence. (laughs) Every letter of every credit will explode one at a time. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So So where do we we go? So now we go from the the impact of the dinosaur-killing asteroid to the present day, and we're in Earth orbit, and we see astronauts doing astronaut stuff. There's astronauts... There's an astronaut on a spacewalk out of a space shuttle yeah. who's working on a satellite and and all of a sudden this big meteor shower comes flying in and basically blows everything up and kills everybody because yeah be, because you know that's how, that's how even the satellite explodes mm-hmm. everything goes boom everything goes and the boom. government loses its shit yeah and they think they're being attacked and and NASA who's headed up by Truman who's played by Billy Bob Thornton yeah. they start running around saying quick we got to get this and we got to get that other thing sir we just saw uh, several of our friends and co-workers die in space I don't care rewind the film videotape who cares about them um, <laughs> their families are in the next room they were watching the mission on the big screen TV should someone go in there and tell them that they're all dead well, no no we've got to map this out and do a thing in trajectory and, and techno jargon go give them right? some t-shirts and NASA hats and get them the hell out of here <laughs> go get them the special your astronaut daddy's a yeah. dead hero <laughs> now shirt and get them out of here thank you for your service get out get them out <laughs> but we got to cut to New York. Yeah, because we need to see all this really important character work that these actors are doing. Like, you know, yeah. like Eddie Griffin these... driving a cab and then, you know. Or, yeah. Or, yeah or, no, it's Mr. Mr. Cooper is driving the cab. Mr. Cooper's driving <laughs> Mr. a cab. Mr. Cooper's driving a cab. Another guy is riding a bike yeah. with a little pug dog. Yeah, yeah. And... and I would just like to say that Michael Bay, even though he may be an egotist, he does enjoy placing his, his screen credit, directed by Michael Bay, right underneath the dog as it's walking down the street. Yeah. That's where he decided to place yeah, it. You know. And so, you know, he's got a little bit of a sense of humor about himself. Well, I guess. maybe. <laughs> so anyway, so now we're in New York. We meet these people. There's an argument. There's a little uh, a bit of a smash on Roland Emmerich's massive hit Godzilla. Yeah. Which is coming out the same year. Yeah, there's a guy with like an inflatable Godzilla that the dog like attacks or something. And yeah. He's like, don't get away from my Godzilla. Yeah, and then... Uh, 
they get in a fight, and then an asteroid comes down and kills that one guy. Yeah, boy, that's rotten luck, huh? <laughs> oh, but oh no, there's more asteroids hitting all over the place in New York. Yeah, yeah, all apparently all up and down the the East Coast, the Atlantic Coast yeah. of uh, of North yeah, America. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't care. We only we only concentrate on New York. New York's the only. We place, only see yeah. downtown, and things get smashed up, and the Chrysler Building's top comes crashing off, and we're and then, but it's okay because the dog's still alive somehow. Yeah, and <laughs> and so is the guy who was arguing with him. Somehow he's still alive, and he's saying call nine one one, and it doesn't matter because we never see any of these fucking characters again. You nope. happy? Right. So let's cut to uh, some jerk who somehow owns a multi-million dollar <laughs> optical telescope. Some asshole abusive piece of garbage with a giant telescope. He, he not, now we don't mean like a giant backyard telescope. We're talking about a telescope that would be built by built by the government or a university. Yeah. One of those gigantic domed optical telescopes. The kind that you need, like, it needs its own chair. Like, you, yeah. you need to be sitting underneath it in a specially made chair to even look through mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, this jerk, we get to be introduced to him, his wife, and their marital problems. Mm-hmm. Which are all his fault. Yeah, and he's... <laughs> you can just he's tell. Screaming, he's screaming at her to go get his phone book, and she's complaining about something. I have no idea what it is. Well, and then we cut away from them. Yeah. And then we find out from NASA is like, oh no, they're meteors. And then they tell the government, oh, they're meteors. And the government, who had scrambled jets because they thought they were on a missile strike, like, we know they're not missiles. What are they? And he's like, they're meteors. And they're like, are there going to be more? And they're like, we know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. I may, probably, I don't know. And then they get a call from the dude with the giant telescope who apparently lives in a camper. Yep. And we <laughs> Next find to out his that telescope. His, his name is Carl, and he is a retired. He's retired Navy, so somehow from a retired Navy man managed to purchase a multi-million dollar optical telescope. How in the fuck? I, I mean, I'm I'm very glad that we give our military veterans such generous pensions. I think that's terrific. <laughs> anyway, he tells them, hey, I saw something burning in space. And they're like, thanks. And I guess they use his information and then they look and they go, oh no, it's an asteroid and it's super big and we're now we're going to tell the president in the dumbest term as possible because he's stupid. Yep. And um, they say it's as big as Texas. And if it hits us, everything dies. Yep. Everything, everything dies. Um, and then another guy runs in because you got to run in these movies. Everything's running. Another guy runs in and he goes, hey, guess what? We only have 18 days. Okay, start the first countdown clock in the movie, starting now, 18 days. Yeah, good thing we had this giant countdown clock just sitting here. So they've ratcheted up the tension. Holy shit, 18 days. Oh my god, what's going to happen next? What do we cut to, Steve? Um, some yokels on an oil rig. <laughs> because you need, you, it's important, you know, to maintain a sense of narrative momentum and tension <laughs> in a film to cut from NASA scientists contemplating the end of humanity and how do we fix this to uh, Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck on an oil rig. They actually this whole sequence they intercut between yeah. the oil rig and NASA. So they, yeah, so they cut from, like, the highest stakes possible to yeah. zero... We have 18 days to live! To... <laughs> exactly. to hey, are you having sex with my daughter? <laughs> okay, like, that way we're getting possibly, out of ourselves. I know, but who fucking cares? I mean, okay. So yeah, so Bruce okay. Willis, Bruce Willis is Harry Stamper. He's, like, the owner yeah. of this oil company. He lives on the oil rig. He's one of those mythical movie characters who is, like, you know, a down-home, humble working class guy who was also a He's millionaire. He's blue collar through and through. Yeah, who is also a millionaire who is like yeah. the world renowned leader of his field. 
He's also an engineer. And yes, he's a genius. He's an engineer. Uh, like most of the people on his oil rig, they all seem to have degrees in something. Yeah, and serious right. emotional problems yeah, that go well, unaddressed. Who else do we meet? Uh, well, let's see. We meet his whole his his whole crew. crew. So there's uh, there's Rockhound, who is the Steve Buscemi character. Yeah. Uh, Chick. Uh, yeah, Chick, Bear, Max. Uh, yeah. We basically meet. Just, are they all? And most of them have really irritating names. Yeah. And we find out that uh, Stamper loves and hates Greenpeace. Yeah. Because yeah. Because he's hitting golf balls at him. But then he also has a throwaway line where like he donated fifty thousand dollars to them last year or something, you know? Yeah, so that, that, exactly. that, that makes his, his rank assholism okay, I guess. <laughs> he bought offsets. He bought charity offsets. I can abuse you because I gave to your organization. That's right. <laughs> That's how this works. Yeah. Um, and, but then uh, Chick says something... Whole two AJ something yeah oil related yeah AJ done fucked up yeah and then he goes I'm gonna go find AJ so he storms into AJ's cabin and he's yelling at him and then he notices that there's a bra in there and then he notices that his daughter's in there too uh oh who's his daughter his daughter is Grace played by Liv Tyler right and um, and AJ is Ben Affleck in case we didn't mention AJ is uh, <sighs> Goodwill Hunting a- era Ben Affleck yeah and um so then we cut. Uh, Stamper says, I'll be right back, and then AJ panics, and then we cut to NASA, who's trying to figure out a bunch of stupid stuff. They have all these plans. They're trying to figure out how they're gonna stop the meteor. Because remember that, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, remember uh, the end of all life on Earth in 18 days? Yeah, and uh, then they finally figure something out, and then they talk to the Joint Chiefs and the military people, and they say, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna blow it up from the inside. Yeah, we're gonna put a nuke on it and blow it up in it we're gonna put a nuke in it yeah yeah we got and we're gonna we'll drill go. down into the surface and drop a nuke and like blow it in half so that it misses the earth that's right yeah. and this is the only option because all of our other ideas are stupid and won't work <laughs> and we need to get people who know how to drill yeah i wonder who those people are gonna be we need the world's best deep core driller is it gonna be the dude with his dog in new york no uh, probably not oh is it gonna be the guy who has the multi-million dollar optical telescope i'm gonna guess it's not gonna be him <laughs> in my head canon of this movie movie he was killed in a random asteroid collision <laughs> oh but we gotta cut back we gotta cut back to the oil rig yeah where now we have some hilarious attempted murder on on stamper's part yeah 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 it's basically a, got, it's basically a cartoon yeah he's, he's got a he's got a shotgun yeah he's actively shooting at um at aj yep on an oil rig on an oil rig <laughs> <laughs> in front of everybody while he while aj flees for his life the other guys are like, oh, well, that's what's going to happen, I guess. <laughs> that's our boss. But Grace, you know, he finally injures AJ. Grace steps in and says, hey, I'm a grown-up. You can't treat me like this. Valid point, Grace. Way to go. And he's like, I don't like it for reasons. I can't think of any reasons why he would have a problem with this. Can you? No, I can't think of, other than that he's just an overprotective douchebag. I guess yeah. so. He, he's a lo- he's they... an utterly loathsome character. Uh-huh. Before they can resolve that, a military helicopter comes on and military people come out and they say come with us he thinks it's a joke set up by some dude yeah. despite the fact that it's obviously military people he must apparently have a friend that is so rich <laughs> 
that he can pull a practical joke of this of this magnitude. A military, an armed military helicopter with several army dudes in uniforms and a guy pretending to be a colonel. And he goes, "Okay, we're going." And he goes, "I'll go, but you gotta take my daughter." And they go, "Okay." And then he goes, uh, "Pay AJ and fire him." Yeah. He's fired. Well, he wasn't in the movie very long, I, was he? I, I think AJ will be okay. Something tells me. So we get back to NASA, and um, they say, "Hi, how you doing?" They let him in. We find out there's only 15 days left. They tell him what's going on, and it's serious, super, super serious. And then they tell him, um, hey, here's what we want to do. We want you to, to be an advisor. Yeah. And we want you to, here's, look, we stole these plans out of the patent office of this drilling rig that you, you've you made, and we can't get it to work because suddenly everyone at NASA is stupid. Yep. Suddenly everyone at NASA is so fucking stupid. We're dumb. Okay, there's a, like a fleet. They walk him into a hangar where his thing's set up. There's an, an entire row of NASA engineers. Who apparently built his thing wrong. Yeah. They can build a spacecraft out of nothing, but they can't figure mm-hmm. out how to get Bruce Willis's drill to work right. Right. Exactly. His drill. They can't figure out how to make a drill work. And he's like, oh, you put it all together and this is that's wrong and this is wrong <laughs> and this is all stupid. Apparently they fucked it all up. They yeah, didn't even apparently. put it together right. They like, hey, look, this thing, this you got this backwards, and this goes here. Like, well, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, do they do they not know how to follow instructions? <laughs> and he's like, "This is your plan. This is your plan. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go up there, and the, those astronauts over there, they're going to drill a hole, and this is all that NASA can come up with." And Truman's like, "This is all the script could come up with for it. We're sorry. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> We're so dumb. Please help us." <sighs> Well, I am Bruce Willis. Then, yeah, Bruce Willis goes, well, I can do it, but I want my own men. And Truman's like, anything. So now we get, and you guys better get used to this, because we get a lot of it. Mm. We get a montage. A montage. Of getting his team of lovable, genius, drug addicts, and reprobates together. Yeah. Characters who we have already met. Yes, characters we already <laughs> met. We get reintroduced to again. We get reintroduced to them in a, in a, in a complete montage. And yeah, and they're all, when, when, when NASA or the government finds each of them, they're all in the middle of something like the there's one character that's like riding a horse there's another character who's like on uh-huh. a motorcycle that they have to chase down yeah that's bear no, yeah. nobody ever is just like at their house how come they're not all back on the rig they've only been gone for what a day oh, two days see, maybe there's, there's a, there... oh wait Stamper says yeah. that it's been 18 hours so 18 hours they all managed to get from their rig all the way back home doing the stuff that they like yeah, to do and they, and, and they live yeah exactly they're, they've, they've com- miles apart <laughs> they've completely resumed their lives like they never left yeah <laughs> They're like, Stamper's gone. I guess we just leave now, even though we just... Okay, guys, they had just struck oil. There was a whole bunch of striking oil foo on the rig that we didn't cover yeah. because it wasn't in fucking important. But <laughs> they just found, struck oil. You would think they'd have to stay there, cap the well, and start pumping that oil out, right? I think it's just that, like you alluded to a moment ago, they have absolutely no dedication to their work whatsoever. And as soon as the <laughs> boss left, they were like, let's go, we're out of here. Yeah, fuck, fuck it. This. So we have we have Max who's getting a tattoo and Bear who's riding the Mokard motorcycle like you said yeah. and Rockhound who's hitting on some girl and it's there's a, a couple of jokes in there where apparently Rockhound has slept with underage girls isn't that great <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny isn't that the kind of humor you love to see in your your summer blockbusters uh, Chick is apparently a gambling addict Oscar owns a ranch yeah and um, oh there's one more person they have to get at the end of this montage AJ oh that's right because you know he he uh, in the 18 hours since he was <laughs> 
fired. He has started his own oil company. Yeah, his own oil field. Has an office and everything. Yeah, I don't know how he managed to do that. He must have had that on the back burner. He's like, yeah. any minute now I'm going to get fired how? for porking his daughter. I mean, <laughs> this is my backup plan. How, how many screenwriters worked on this, by the way? Uh, eight. And nobody caught, hey, why? when did AJ have time to start his own company? <laughs> so anyway, they grab up these dudes. They tell the dudes the world's going to end. And they all agree to do it in the, you know, the macho way. Yeah. You haven't let me down in 20 years and I'm not going to go. And there's only a couple of reactions that I really like. Like Oscar's reaction, which is like, this is real deep blue hero stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, his reactions in general are pretty good. Um, not everybody is so over the top patriotic. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of nice. But uh, if they're going to do it, they have some demands, don't they? Oh yeah, they want their uh, they want their parking tickets fixed. Uh, they do- they want eight track tapes to come back. Yeah, they don't want to pay taxes. You know, because apparently they think that the government is a genie. Well, and and that can just do these things. And and also, like Harry, they're all fucking scumbags mm-hmm. who have been told you're the only hope for all of humanity. And instead of mm-hmm. saying humbly, oh, well, of course, we'll do whatever we can to save all of humanity. They said, sure, we'll do it if you can fix our parking tickets and we don't have to pay taxes because we're pieces of human garbage. They also wanted to know who killed James. Yeah, they want to know who killed James. They're just, they're awful. They're awful people. Immigration stuff, no taxes. Yeah. Uh, premium hotel stays, White House visits, yeah, I, things yeah, like I that. think there's one that kind of made me laugh uh, because of the way Bruce Willis delivered the line. He said Bear wants to stay in the Lincoln bedroom for the summer. Yeah. So that was kind of funny. I like that too. Yeah. I like that. Bear actually has a couple of jokes in this movie that that hit. Yeah, that hit well. Um, but oh darn, that scene's over because we now have montage rama. <laughs> it it's been two minutes since the last montage. So we, need we to have medical testing, uh, mostly about butt stuff. Yeah, everything seemed to be centered around their ass during the medical testing thing. Yeah, either they're getting a procto- they're either getting a proctology exam, or they're getting enemas, or someone is, is slamming a huge silver dildo up their butt. Yeah. It's all butt stuff. It's because Michael Bay saw the right stuff and he he slept through the whole thing except that one scene. <laughs> Where they were all like, where they all had to hold it. You where know? they had to had to get the enemas yeah. done. Uh, either that or NASA is obsessed about butt stuff. Apparently, was... they're like, okay, listen, guys, if your butt isn't in good health, you're not going on the shuttle. <laughs> so we're spending three weeks just on your ass. We we learned the what? We believe me, we learned the hard way during Project Mercury. Butt health is essential <laughs> for survival in space. Uh, but then we have to cut from that montage to the psychological testing montage. Oh, yes. Where we get to learn a little bit, kind of, about the guys and how they react to Udo Kier. Yeah. Just sitting there. With, <laughs> he has one line of dialogue. I'm glad that Udo Kier got a payday for this movie. So so am I. For doing what he does best, which is staring. <laughs> And there's one, and again, there's another funny bit in that in that sequence where they're going all through these guys, and they cut to Bear, and he's crying. Yeah, yeah, just inexplicably, and and crying his. <laughs> and he's head saying, off. "I'm a little emotional yeah. right now." Yeah, crawling, yeah, crying his eyes out. It's- but everyone else is like, we find out that Rockhound is a, apparently a super genius. Mm-hmm. Um, Chick is easily agitated. Yeah. <laughs> to the point of violence. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't know what Max is. I have no idea what he doesn't sit down ever. Yeah. We find out he likes that. We find out that the fat guy likes to eat. Oh, isn't that? There, there's a surprise. That's some good character work there. <laughs> That's just real sharp writing. Oh, but it turns out they all pass fail. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. They all they, they all completely fail the psychological test but they pass anyway because they don't have any fucking choice the world is going to end in two weeks they have yeah, to go it's just, so why did they even bother why did they waste the that's time? what i yeah 
Why did they waste the time doing it? Because if they're going anyway, just skip the whole thing. Fuck, give them all the horse tranquilizers they're taking to take with them, otherwise they may not work the way they normally do if they're not high off their asses. But we needed... The doctor says that we found traces of so many drugs in their system. <laughs> but we needed, we needed the hilarious comic relief. Oh, whatever. Then we meet Colonel Sharp, and then we meet the made-up X-71 Super Titanium mm-hmm. shuttles. The, the Star Wars space shuttles. Named the Independence and the Freedom, because the other future X-71s, the capitalism and institutionalized racism shuttles, <laughs> weren't ready. Those were for the, the, the uh, aborted Armageddon sequel that never actually got off the ground. <laughs> That's right. They weren't ready to launch the USS Manifest Destiny, so... <laughs> the USS Trail of Tears. Oh, God. The USS Indian Relocation Act. Enough of that training montage. We have training montages, whether in the moon pool at NASA, which they actually... Here's one of the things we didn't go over. NASA really, really threw their weight behind this movie. They got to go into their training facilities, yeah. their names all over this, all of this shit. Oh, yeah. And it's like, there were two movies that came out. One of them portrayed NASA really well. The other one didn't. Guess which one they backed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's even there, there's even a scene during all of this, like this this preparation phase mm-hmm. of the movie, where they, they they stage a scene at the Apollo One Memorial, which just makes me want to put my fist through the TV. I yeah, mean, it's I know. so tasteless. I know. It really, like, it's because it's like okay, here's this big goofy like <laughs> you know macho bullshit movie that is just mm-hmm. more full of shit than any movie I've ever seen, and it's like oh, and and, yep. and not only do they stage a scene at the Apollo One Memorial, so if you know what that looks like, you might recognize it it ends with a close-up of the plaque like i've been there. like here are here's here's the the, the memorial to these real people who really died mm-hmm. in real life and now we're gonna yeah. shoehorn it into this bullshit movie oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway uh we have uh trading montages where they're doing all that shit and then they go into a room that's depressurized that doesn't exist um they go <laughs> they find out that they have these new all-terrain vehicles which look as heavy as shit called the Armadillo and uh, they disassemble that and rebuild it because apparently once again German engineering no fuck them they don't know jack shit NASA fuck them they don't know what they're doing we're gonna rebuild this thing that has been made to work in (laughs) in zero gravity and in space but we're gonna let the oil riggers yeah see again it rebuild it again it feels like Michael Bay he woke up like midway through the right stuff and saw like one, like he saw the scene in the right stuff where the astronauts are looking at the prototype space capsule and they're like, "Hey, it needs a window, and we need to have a hatch with explosive bolts." And Those then he bolts. was like, "Oh, let's have the oil riggers completely redesign all of the equipment." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so then we get, after that montage, we get the mission debriefing where they tell them how, what they're going to do. What are they going to do, Steve? Well, they're going to split the team into two teams, and they're going right. to fly up on both super space shuttles at the same time. Yeah. They're going to land mm-hmm. on... Launch right next to yeah, each other. Yeah, launch right next to each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... They're gonna, they're gonna, uh, they're gonna slingshot. Well, first they're gonna stop at a Russian space station for some reason because the movie needed to be longer. They needed to get fuel. And they needed to fuel up. 
like five minutes after right. they left. Okay, right. and um, and then they're gonna slingshot around the moon to, to right. so that they can reach the the asteroid at the furthest point, and then they're mm-hmm. gonna land on the asteroid in uh, in right. two different locations, and they're mm-hmm. each gonna have drilling equipment. And the idea is, you know, both teams are gonna land on different spots. They're gonna drill. They have to drill at least eight hundred feet into the surface. Right. Drop their nukes, and whoever gets done first, uh, then they pack up and they get the fuck out and they blow up the asteroid. That's the plan. Yay. Then we get a little bit of uh, character development on uh, Truman, who's like, I always, no, 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 that's a little later, but I'll do it now. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. Where Truman's like, I really wish I wanted to go into NASA, but I got this thing, and they pan down to his ankle, and apparently he, he has a leg brace. Yeah. Funny, he doesn't walk like he has one. He's running all over that fucking yeah, place. Yeah, and it's, it's, it never comes up at all. It's the leg brace of convenience. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this thing that doesn't hinder my movement at all and lets me run and, and do energetic things throughout the movie. Yeah. Somehow this prevented me from becoming an, uh, an astronaut. You know, because my leg brace. Because you need to use your legs a lot in space. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the so eight, they have... One of the eight screenwriters was happy that he got that in, you know. What we cut to is a creepy scene in which Stamper watches AJ uh, kiss the naked back of his daughter yeah. while they sit in a, uh, sit in a, a, a thruster at uh, yeah. this, this space thing. Grace seems to think that she's in a shampoo commercial. <laughs> But I guess that proves that AJ and Grace are in love or something. Yeah, right? I think this, doesn't he ask her to marry him in that scene? I, I guess so. so yeah. I don't give a I mean, fuck I don't because I don't care about either one of these people. I don't care, but I think I remember yeah. that happening. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we have another moon sequence in which they're uh, simulating a drilling thing, and then AJ doesn't listen, and and then he ruins the thing, and he won't listen to anybody. And um, I guess that proves that AJ don't listen. Yeah, he's he's and and there's a hilarious scene, unintentionally hilarious. Where Stamper like really gets in AJ's shit about it, and he's like, "You're you're at NASA, and these are government people, and they won't tolerate yeah. this kind of thing." It's Stamper who has been calling the NASA people dipshits and telling them how to do mm-hmm. their business the entire time he's been there. I'm surprised they didn't take apart the space shuttle and rebuild yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, these wings are all wrong. <laughs> And then Stamper says, they're all fried. They need a night off. Yeah. And they're like, we can't do that. And they're like, you're going to do it because if you're not, we won't do it. And we'll let the world end or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, th- I really think like... that Billy Bob Thornton should have called his bluff on this and said, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to stay here and train because the world's going to end. I think end. military men with machine guns should have stood up behind him and said, no, sir, you're staying here. <laughs> because this is how the government actually works. If you want, we can get you a deck of cards. <laughs> you're not leaving. Now shut your fucking mouth and get into the holding. Room. <laughs> yeah. In case I haven't mentioned it lately, humanity is going to end. Yeah. So no, you can't go out for a nice night on the town and see your family and go to a titty club. <laughs> but they're not. They get the night yeah, off. Yeah, they get the night off. And this is when we find out that Chick has a little boy that he's not allowed to see, mm-hmm. and he has an estranged wife. Now, I, I'd like to point this out. This happens a lot in 90s movies. As a general rule, if you're not legally allowed to see your wife and child, there are reasons as to why you're not <laughs> legally allowed yes. to see your wife and child and they're not little minor things mm-hmm. like oh he you know he just didn't pay enough attention to us when right we were or he yelled every now, once in a while i have a feeling that what's implied is that his gambling addiction bankrupted them yeah. which is possible but he's there and he's like i just want to see my little boy and she's like he and the little boy's like who's that man and she's like he's a he's a he's a salesman and she's like you can't be here and he's like well I, i'm doing something important i can't tell you what i'm doing but i'm just gonna leave this space shuttle toy you don't have to tell him 
moments for me. And this is the part, this is the part where I hate Michael Bay. Because on occasion, the fucking scenes work. And it, I don't think it has that much to do with him. No. It has a lot to do with the fucking actors doing these lines. Oh, absolutely. Because, because that scene, even though it's ridiculous and emotionally manipulative, and we know how this is going to play out later in the movie, the scene works because the actor who's playing Chick is a fucking great actor, actually. He's really good. I don't think he gets enough credit in the, in this film as being like Stamper's sidekick. <laughs> guy well no it's it's, mean, it's will Patton. he is a fantastic actor. yeah he, he's he's one of those actors that is always great in terrible movies and you're like why yeah. isn't he more of a, a thing he's great exactly yeah. um but anyway from that emotional scene we go to Rockhound, who borrows a hundred thousand dollars from a loan shark and then blows it on bondage strippers mm-hmm. and then gets in a fight and he and a couple of his other astronauts get arrested but remember this is important he makes a bond with kind of with one of the strippers i guess yeah yeah and now we come to the most painful part of this entire fucking movie. This entire fucking movie, this is the most embarrassing, awkward, awful things ever filmed. And that's AJ and Grace have driven somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> to a cabin and they have a love scene together mm-hmm. now I don't mean sex everybody because remember this is a PG film and uh, I mean or is it PG-13 I can't I remember I think it's PG-13 but yeah it's and when she plays with animal crackers on, on her midriff yeah and throws around a double of uh, throws around a few double entendres that a 12 year old would make <laughs> <laughs> And then they kiss, because we need to make sure that everyone understands that they're in love and shit. <sighs> yeah. And yeah. that's when we have the scene between Stamper and, and Truman. Yeah. And now it's launch day, and uh, Truman threw out a line that said, oh, by the way, only nine, uh, nine uh, telescopes will be able to see the asteroid, but that won't last for long, it'll get her, and when it's close enough, everyone's going to know about the asteroid. And guess what? Everyone knows about the asteroid, and we know how everyone knows about the asteroid, because, it's, yes, it's another fucking montage. It's yeah. another fucking goddamn montage of news agencies around the world reporting, hey, guys, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out we're all going to die. <sighs> and then we have the scene that Steve loves, where Gracie and Stamper have a tearful, tearful goodbye on the abandoned launch pad, which serves yeah. as the memorial to the Apollo memorial 1. The memorial to Apollo 1, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's time to leave, but not before... If you thought the previous love scene between <laughs> the two of them was embarrassing enough for both of those actors, you'd be wrong, because now we have to have AJ and Gracie say goodbye, in which uh. Ben Affleck realizes that he's not going to have much of a movie career after this. And start singing, uh, leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> this then... is the point when Affleck says, I'm going to have to become a director. <laughs> If I want anything to happen with this. And then uh, everybody else sings leaving on a jet plane. And they're all in their space suits. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now it's time for the president to have a montage. Yeah. Where he gets to say his speech about shit. <laughs> and, and, he, <laughs> and he basically says, uh, and to the rest of the world, if, if, if the United States succeeds in stopping this asteroid, um, if you thought we were full of ourselves after World War II. Yeah. You'll you never stop sucking yet. our dick. Get ready. <laughs> used to it you'll never hear the end of this <laughs> but we're cutting all over the place india france china yeah. the middle east um and Chick's everybody's house. like walk everybody's walking outside and looking at the sky like the yeah, president's like... voice is booming from the clouds oh yeah and by the way 
everybody. It's daytime everywhere. <laughs> it's daytime everywhere. It's, uh, it's daytime everywhere. It's probably one of the side effects of the asteroid strike. Yep. You know, it's reflecting the sun or something. Mm-hmm. That's probably and now, now they launch. They get into their separate things. AJ and, and Stamper say something, and then they get in their ships, and then they launch, and there's screaming and music, and ah, and then they get up in space. And the astronauts should have just been sitting there going, God, what a bunch of babies. Yeah, really? What a bunch of fucking babies. Jesus Christ. We're just launching into space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoopee. And then we have to go to the Russian space station, which is made of garbage and overseen by uh, humorous comic relief, because we needed it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Lev, let me get there. We get the long-awaited reunion of Peter Stormare and Steve Buscemi from Fargo. Is what? <laughs> I yeah, didn't they were realize. They, they were in they were in Fargo together. They were the oh. they were he was Steve Buscemi's partner. He was the guy who got stuffed into the wood chipper. Oh, or that's who right. Stuffed him, who stuffed him into the wood chipper? I mean, Does that yeah. happen in this movie too? Oh, if only. <laughs> Anyway, they've, they've got to run fuel from the fuel pod to the shuttles, and then it explodes. The yeah. end. No, because it of, gets because apparently they 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 pack the walls of Russian space station with gasoline. This is the kind of movie where nothing can happen without something happening with Je- which jeopardizes the thing that could happen. Yep. Okay. If someone wanted to open a can of soup in this movie, music would strike up, explosions would start, and things would start to happen to prevent the person from opening. Opening the can of soup in time because a countdown timer would start in which someone would say, You have 10 seconds to open that can of soup. Armed gunmen would break down the door, would <laughs> batter their way into the kitchen. The electric can opener would explode in sparks and shoot the can across the room. Another person would catch it, throw it back to the first person that's opening the can of soup. They'd break out the manual one. The handle would break off. They'd start screaming. They'd be like, you have 15, you have five more seconds. And then he would just take a knife and just stab open the can of soup and pour it into a bowl. <laughs> That's everything in this movie. No one can do anything, even the, the simplest thing, without something happening that prevents the thing from happening from happening. It's kind of like the part of the infomercial, like before they introduce the new and improved product. Where, where it's like, <laughs> yes, it is. Where like, you know, you, you, nobody can just use a blender. You Has always this ever your... happened to you? You're and trying like, to you're... refuel your space shuttles and this happens and yeah. then the entire thing explodes. Exactly. Anyway, there's fire and people trying to get back onto the shuttles and all this stuff but they managed to do it and now lev is on the on the independence yeah so i guess we're taking him and yeah, that's probably fine it's not yeah. as if you know fuel needs to be precisely measured science needs to be <laughs> perfect <laughs> so now they're gonna do the moon slingshot that's fun isn't it oh uh, yeah oh they uh, okay i won't say anything it's it's more science thing they, so they, they the slingshot trip the, the, the trip to a, the moon is really fast and they do 11 yeah it is super fast and they do 11 g's and there's a bunch of screaming more screaming 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 because they can't do anything without screaming and they get around to the other side of the asteroid and then there's a bunch more debris than they thought it was going to be because remember you can't do anything without something else interfering with the thing that you need to do and um there's debris and they then the independence gets hit, and um, there's more screaming, and then it crashes, 
and oh well, so much for AJ Barron. What's his face and Colonel? What's his name? They're all dead. And Grace, <laughs> Grace is upset about that. I guess. Yeah, she finally shows an emotion. Mm-hmm. And then the freedom lands in the wrong place. Right? <laughs> yeah, like I think Steve Buscemi's character at one point says they're twenty six miles mm-hmm. away from where they should be. Right, they landed on a big iron plate, and that's yeah. bad. And um, but oh wait a minute, in the wreckage of the Independence, Baron AJ and Liv have survived. <gasps> oh, and the armadillo thing has a Vulcan machine gun on it. Yeah, isn't that crazy? To uh, <laughs> shoot the asteroid to death, I guess. Yeah. I guess so there was there was there was some hard on at NASA who was like, "What if there's aliens up there? <laughs> Better give them like a, something to defend themselves." Every movie with. I've ever seen, there's aliens, so we're taking guns. Every, <laughs> put guns on everything. <laughs> So now we get drilling foo. Yeah. It doesn't go well. No. <laughs> it turns out drilling into solid iron on an asteroid is kind of tough. Um, I can maybe impossible, but okay. Yeah, 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 probably a lot tougher than it's portrayed. And so they, they kill a couple of drill bits, and then they blow out one of the one of the drilling rigs, and the military goes, fuck it, and they adopt the secondary protocol. Which is to do the thing that they had already discussed earlier in the film would not work. Right, would not work at all, period. End of do sentence. it anyway. Uh-huh. And so the secondary protocol is that they're going to remote detonate the nuke, and they're like, get the people out of there, we're going to remote detonate the nuke, and then there's a bunch of foo at NASA where they're turning on and turning off the bomb, and um, Colonel Sharp um, follows orders, and he's like, we're going to take the bomb off, and we're going to do this, and then Harry's like, no, we could do it, and he's like, no, you can't, and then he pulls out a gun, and then someone says, why'd you bring a gun in space? And someone else should have said, there's machine guns everywhere. What? This isn't, what are you talking about? There's machine you guys, guns on your you guys drilling rig, dude. Yeah, you guys tore apart the armadillo, but you left the machine gun on it. Why are you asking me now? Why is the gun in space? And then uh, Harry gets the upper hand, and then he starts choking Sharp, and he's like, I'm gonna do a monologue now, and you're gonna listen. And he's like, I can do this. I've never, I've never, ever failed, because I'm Harry Stamper, and I'm good at drilling into things. (laughs) Which makes me the most splendid human being on the planet. And once again, simply because the actor playing Sharp manages to, to relate a piece of dialogue that would have been ridiculous coming out of another person's mouth when he says you swear on your family and my family that you can do this and he says yes i can he goes okay then let's disarm the bomb the only reason that works is because of the actor it's the only reason that sequence works so now sharps change sides now they've got oh no the bomb turned on again oh no so now they have to disarm a bomb And they they get down to what is it one second? It's yeah yeah. And they disarm it. Who? Thank God! <laughs> Thank God they kept that sequence in this already uh. incredibly long fucking movie. Um, so uh, they go back to drilling, right? Yeah, and they they actually start making some progress. Yeah, but we gotta uh, cut back away from them yeah. because AJ and Co are gonna jump a big cavern. Yeah, because they have the their their drilling rig. Boy, those NASA scientists really thought of everything. They they put like. A radar device on the armadillo, so that the the two armadillos would be able to find each other. Mm-hmm. If if for some reason that would be necessary, even though at no point was that ever discussed as being part of the mission. Uh, so AJ, oh, I think that the oil riggers put that on there. Yeah. Oh, sure they did. Of course they did. <laughs> Just and like they, they they outfitted the armadillo to be able to make super long jumps across the you know across the surface of the asteroid. Yeah, you know, it was designed to just drill, but of course it's also mm-hmm. like the greatest lunar rover ever. And yeah, yeah. And so they do it, and they do. It. 
Yeah, and doesn't but the, while the, they're doing it, other things pop up that prevent them from being able to do the thing that they want to do. But then they fix the thing, and then they do. Yeah, Lev, the Russian guy, does something to incredibly you know, heroic save the day. Yeah, he's out on the outside of that fucking thing trying to fix the goddamn goddamn armadillo while everyone inside is calling him a shithead and telling him to to fix shit. He's the guy on the outside of the fucking armadillo, you assholes. You guys are inside <laughs> yelling at him. Yeah, fuck you. We need <laughs> nine more Levs. <laughs> fuck you. Should have just sent an army of levs up there yeah just they clone him you probably have clones if you were if you, if, if you were building the secret <laughs> space shuttles you could probably clone people too but they make it and then we cut back to the drilling site and oh no Rockhound is firing yet another Vulcan cannon that they have around yeah. for some reason yeah Rock, Rockhound has gone space happy uh, well what the captain says is that he has space dementia yeah which is apparently a thing it's probably, I'm sure if you looked that up in the DSM, it would be in there. But before they can completely digest that, some fucking thing happens on the rig, and it explodes, and then Max goes bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, we just, we knew, we loved you so much, Max, yes. I guess. You always, you always mourn at the death of a completely mm. loathsome character. And so now, they don't got a rig, they can't drill anymore, and Stamper's like, uh, tell the world it's gonna get, like, the worst news ever. <laughs> <laughs> and by the world, I mean 1950s rural America and some foreign <laughs> shit where it's daytime all the time. Some stock footage from international tourism bureaus. Yeah. Uh, can you explain to me why uh, for a lot of these montages from this point forward, when they show America, it is 1950s rural America where people are driving 1950s trucks and old fashioned cars and everyone's wearing fucking overalls and they're dressed like they're kids from the depression. Because this movie is pornography. Oh, okay. Because and <laughs> because it's patriotic pornography. But while they're getting the bad news, uh-oh, Paris gets destroyed. Yeah. Eh, you know. And it is here when all hope is lost. Mm, and the yes. darkness begins to surround our heroes. That AJ and his crew of space fuck-ups show up and <laughs> save the day. Ah, uh, yes. The second armadillo arrives. Right. After reporting back to Earth that uh, there was no hope and there were massive suicides all over the planet, turns out, hey, they didn't need to die because there's another armadillo. Wait a Hold up, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, what 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 uh, what AJ should have done is try to make radio contact with the other team and oh, said, "Hey, earlier? where should where 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 should we drill?" Because I mean, Harry could say, "Hey, don't come here and drill here because we're on top of an iron plate. You find a oh, better yeah. place to drill." Well, apparently, you can just drill anywhere on the on the asteroid, and it's going to split it directly in half. That's apparently, the plan. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, during that scene where they're telling all of them, okay, well, uh, right after the scene where he says, "Give the world bad news." Um, Truman is back in headquarters and he's like, okay, tell them to get off. Uh, let's hope that their ship is flight capable, right? Yeah. And um, she says, will they be able to take off? And he says, I hope so. And she grabs him and slams him to the floor and yeah. she says something like, that's my family up there. You better have a, you better have a better answer than I hope so, right? Yeah. That's just in there to be in there, I guess. <laughs> so um, All of humanity is going to die. Mm-hmm. So now they get the armadillo back, they're drilling and... Um, uh, Truman goes, hey, do you think they can drill 250 feet in an hour? And she says, they better. And I wanted him to grab her, slam her down on the fucking floor, and say, the fate of the fucking world is at stake. I don't want to hear they better. Just, you know, just to have a little balance. Yeah, and then let her up and go, see what I did? See what I did there? <laughs> With you and the thing? 
And so now we have more drilling foo. Oh, yeah. AJ, that, and oh no, the thing that happened with Max is happening again. But AJ is like, trust me. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then the rig blows up and AJ is flung into space. The end. <laughs> and then Harry says, prepare the world for some bad news. <laughs> Again. <for real." laughs> no, Get no, back in it. line at the bridges around the world to jump off because guess what, everybody? No, he's right. And they drill down to 800 feet. They do it. Yeah. But now they have only 38 minutes left and they got to put the bomb in the hole. Yeah, they do. But first they got to remember, you have to have something that interferes with something that you need to do. But now there's a bent pole in the pipe. It's the drop AJ down there to get the pole out and then the asteroid starts growling at everybody <laughs> and now there's like a little meteor shower or something yeah the yeah there's the 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 asteroid causes a meteor shower on itself <laughs> <laughs> How did that work? I don't know. And, um, but uh, it starts hitting things and the things start exploding, but that's okay. And he gets out and the bent pipe gets out and they put the bomb in it and then they go back and, oh no, the bomb can't remote detonate no yeah. more. Uh-oh. And then they go, we'll draw straws, right? Yeah, somebody has to stay behind mm-hmm. to manually trigger the bomb. And since yeah. they're all heroes, none of them say, I ain't doing it. <laughs> they all go, yeah, let's do it. And uh, AJ loses. He gets the short straw. And um, Stamper's like, I'll take him out. And uh, they go down. And AJ's like, tell Grace I'll always be with her or something. And then Stamper rips his air hose out, instantly killing him. <laughs> no, he rips his air hose out, <laughs> throws him back into the little transporter thing, and says, I'm going. And he gets upset. And they have a bunch of lines together that's like, I love you. And I thought of you as a son and all of a sudden I'd be proud if you married my daughter even though I'd never said that once during the entire fucking movie (laughs) (sighs) and he's like no and he's like bye and um uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're almost there, man. Yeah, so uh, then Harry calls home, and for some reason, this transmission is the clearest one in the entire movie. That's weird. <laughs> because all the other times that they've tried to trans, uh, try to speak to each other, it only lasted for like three and a half seconds. Yeah. And it was garbled and fucked up. It was, in fact, a major part of the plot. Yeah, I know. That they couldn't communicate with each other clearly I, from the asteroid to Earth. Yeah, I, I know it was. Um, and also they decided to uh, broadcast his transmission on every screen in Mission Control during this critical juncture, this highly critical juncture. They're not monitoring anything else. It's just his face on every screen at Mission Control. Yeah, you know. Uh, And he says bye-bye to Grace. Grace says bye-bye to him. And now the shuttle won't launch. (laughs) Ah, God. Just trigger the bomb, Harry. (laughs) The shuttle won't launch, um, but it's okay, because Lev fixes it with a wrench by hitting the engine with it, Yep. and the shuttle leaves. Uh, Harry, all he has to do is press a button, but um, oh, again... Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, there's another asteroid thing. The asteroid's roaring at him at this point. Um, he gets blown into the hole. He climbs out of the hole. People are saying, press a button. <laughs> Kill yourself! We s- <laughs> Harry presses the button, and then we get the weirdest montage in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, the the Harry's death montage. I guess it's supposed to be like his Where life flashing before his eyes. Where he morphs into his daughter at some point. <laughs> yeah. 
And then the asteroid goes boom. A lot. And then the world is saved, I guess. Yeah. And we get the world is saved montage where we see people cheering all over the world in the daytime. <laughs> especially in good old rural 1950s America where kids suddenly have a shit ton of shuttle stuff. Right? Yay. <laughs> I, they even, uh, some town in rural America even organizes a parade. Of sorts. Of sorts. <laughs> it, like just, hey, let's have a parade right now. Right now. Uh, uh, we're not done. No, we're not. They land. AJ and Grace, Gracie reunite. Chick and his estranged wife reunite with a little kid running up to him with an American flag t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Rockhound no longer has space dementia, and <laughs> for some reason, the stripper who he saw at the strip club is there for some reason, and he's going to have babies with her. Truman gets his flight pass. Yeah. And AJ and Gracie love each other. Cue ending credits where we get a wedding montage. <laughs> shot in Super 8 for some reason. Yeah. You know, like people did in the 90s. Yeah. The end. <sighs> so, Steve. Yeah. What is your opinion of this epic action adventure movie about the end of the world Armageddon oh um I'm afraid I'll have to disagree with Aerosmith here um I did want to miss a thing <laughs> I want to close my eyes. I want to fall asleep. I just want to fall asleep and miss this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't want to see a thing. Uh, I, um, I, I'm, you know, you know me. We talk about movies all the time. And I'm very, mm-hmm. you know, careful with my language when I talk about movies that I don't like. And yes. I, I don't want to go overboard, you know, because everybody, it's very easy <laughs> to say, like, oh, I, I hate this movie, you know. And that's a, that's a little strong, even for a movie. But if there were a movie that I would say, truthfully, I hate this movie, it would be You've this. You've said it before. You've said it, it before. It would be this movie. I, <laughs> I, 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 I have nothing but contempt for this movie. I mean, and, and, and the, uh, the moments we picked out here and there, like the mm. Will Patton's performance or Michael Clark Duncan's performance or um, uh, 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 William Fichter's performance as, as Colonel Sharp. I mean, there are some good actors doing the best they can here. You know, with what material with they what, have, yeah. and and I feel sorry for them. Like I feel great pity that their talent was so utterly wasted d- making a movie like that. I mean, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is a fine actor. You know, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a fine actor, and he and he does as good here as he can possibly do. And his talents are utterly wasted in this complete piece of garbage. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Michael Bay directs everything like it's a fucking Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and well, yeah, that's the, where he came from. Yeah, it's and and you know what? If it were a Super Bowl commercial and it were sixty seconds long, and you know it was just some some nicely composed shots, you know, of like people standing in fucking cornfields at the golden hour or whatever. Okay, you know what? If you didn't like it, it's only a minute of your life. This is two and a half hours that could have been ninety minutes easily, <laughs> right? I mean, if if someone had come down from the from from the top of the studio and said, "Okay, fellas, we're gonna have to cut this a little bit. We're not willing to go two and a half." hours see if you can shave mm-hmm. it down i mean you could you could drop an hour without even having to make hard choices 
with, no. without having to, to to finagle how to make the narrative make sense. You could you could crop an hour easily out of this. It is so bloated and so overcomplicated and so full of like false crises, you know, mm-hmm. that and, and and just montage after montage and meaningless characters like the fucking asshole with the telescope at the beginning who apparently is only there because Michael Bay wanted to put in a misogynistic wife joke that badly that he said <laughs> we have to have, no 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 we have to have this character, you know, the guy with the dog in New York who mm-hmm. en- ends up counting for nothing. Um, there's just so much here that is just that is unnecessary, that is bad, that is meaninglessly violent, and and sort of you know just you know, like as I said during our plot summary, it's it's it, a lot of it is just patriotic pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the deification of working class people, which is fine. Working class people don't get nearly. I was going to say, what are you what are you what are you saying, Steve? Working, working you class intellectual people, East Coast fuckwit. <laughs> working class people don't get nearly the respect that they deserve. But Damn they, straight, pencil neck. But they, <laughs> but they don't deserve to be patronized like this either and presented mm-hmm. as though they're magic people who who are better at everything than everybody else. And not only are they hard workers and, and, and the backbone of our society, but they're also geniuses and engineers and they know more about NASA stuff than people who work at NASA. And, you know, and we should admire them even when their personal traits are absolutely loathsome and they're overprotective sexist, uh, you know, gambling addicted, uh, pieces of shit Mm -hmm. who, 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 you know, oh sure. I'll save the world. If you can fix my fucking parking tickets. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I can't, I I can't express how loathsome I find (laughs) virtually. I mean, the astronaut characters are okay, but they're, but see the astronaut characters are presented as dicks. The, the, Mm -hmm. the, but the, the, they're obstacles. They're obstacles that have been set in the path of the, of the accomplishing the mission. Yeah. But the oil driller guys who actually, Actually, are dicks who are all mm-hmm. just awful people are mm-hmm. presented as the heroes, and you know I guess we're just supposed to take their 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 deep character flaws as as just color. They're just colorful, and whereas the astronauts are like you know we're we're serious professional people, and we we, we actually we probably should just be doing this ourselves, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but but we'll take you along for the hell of it. Um, I don't know. I just I I really this is it's just an awful movie, and and the fact that it was so successful and basically allowed. Michael Bay to continue to make this kind of a movie over and over again for the next 20 years almost mm-hmm. uh, it's just it, it, there's so much that this movie has to answer for <laughs> <laughs> this movie has done so much damage to our popular culture it cannot <sighs> it cannot be measured it cannot be articulated um, yeah anyway but I'm, I'm going I'm going to stop now because this could go on forever <laughs> I, I really don't like this, this movie this has been enjoyable it's I really nice don't to like see this, this angry I, oh, I haven't I seen this anger since uh, since heaven Gate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let me put it this way. Um, this movie is bad. Okay. <laughs> I will say that. This movie is, is off. It's uh, jingoistic. Um, it uh, goes overboard to patronize to a particular audience. Um, it's unrealistic. It's overblown. Um, the action has been ratcheted up to a 900. That whole soup thing that I came up with when we were doing the recap, <laughs> it's, not a, it's, it's not a joke. That's how this whole movie runs. No one can do anything without something happening to try to prevent the thing that they want to have happen happen. Sometimes it's a person, and sometimes it's, you know, whatever. There's lots of what are supposed to be quote-unquote inspirational dialogue about I have this, I know how to do this one thing and you need to let me do it and you need to trust me to be able to do it and all this other crap. Lots of uh, American flags waving at, at the golden hour, you know. <laughs> 
Lots of just ridiculous shit that make no sense at all whatsoever. Um, but here's the difference between Steve and I. I enjoy watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you why I, I enjoy watching this movie. And that is because I don't take this movie seriously at all in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. It's ridiculous from the very first sentence said by the narrator to the very last thing at the very end. Nothing in this movie is realistic to any degree, including the relationships between people. None of the people are real people. There's no, you're never going to meet anybody, anybody that's even remotely close to any living person on Earth. If I took this movie seriously, I can understand why I would get really, really pissed off. But when I watch this movie, I watch it because, number one, this movie was made as a uh, counter to what I would consider the far more successful Deep Impact. Mm -hmm. Far more successful, as far as I'm concerned, on a dramatic level, right? Took a premise, treated it seriously. Gave us characters that we rooted for or cared about. Had realistic astronauts in it. <laughs> This one was the other movie that you want when you go out into space, which is explosions, nothing makes sense, yelling, more explosions, growling asteroids, <laughs> <laughs> not paying attention to how long it takes to get someplace because none of that fucking matters. This is not a science movie. This is not a realistic end of the world movie. This was a how can we turn the end of the world into something fun at the end. <laughs> And I can understand why serious and, you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, this is a god-awful movie. But when I watch it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a god-awful movie, but it's still fun to watch because it's so fucking stupid. It is so stupid. Steve, the movie is so stupid. It's like someone took a B-movie called Asteroid Impact or something like that and then gave him $150 million to make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Corman's going, yeah, I'm going to make this movie. It's called Amazon Women on Asteroid X and the End of the World. And they said, here you go, $150 million. <laughs> and we want you to spend every dollar of it on this movie. And he went, oh, my God, that's what this is. <laughs> and since I like B-movies when they do it, I like this movie when it does it. Now, am I going to recommend it? No. <laughs> Because I know I have weird preferences myself. And I'll have to say that there are a few things, like you, like you said, the actors in this are good. Everybody in it is good, for the most part. There's no real clunker with it, with perhaps, except for Liv Tyler. Yeah. Who can kind of just stare off into space and look like her brain just switched off after she gave dialogue. It's like, okay, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> but all the other actors are good. The dialogue is insipid at times, although there are times where the dialogue is perfectly fine. They bother to try to do character development in a movie that doesn't need it. In a movie that doesn't need it. Truman, did we need stuff for Truman's backstory? No, he's not the one that's in immediate danger, but we get it anyway. Don't we? We don't get a whole lot of backstory on Stamper. We know kind of his general background, and apparently his wife left him. <laughs> <laughs> and abandon their daughter and 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 we get just we have nothing on AJ we have no idea where he came from I guess they found him on an abandoned oil rig when he was in <laughs> he, was, he was left in a basket on the oil rig <laughs> We don't get any backstory on him, and fuck it, I don't, I don't need it. There are scenes in here that work, there are scenes in here that don't work, there's a lot of scenes in here that just don't work, but if you're just here to have fun, then you're gonna have fun watching this movie. If you, if you, if you want to apply thinking to it, you may become frustrated, but for me, thinking while watching this movie just made this a ball. <laughs> it just made it 
fun. And I've given passing grades to other movies that are just fun and and, and are just as stupid and dippy. I, I would be a hypocrite if I gave a pass to the Fantastic Four for being stupid and cheap and didn't and didn't give a, a pass for myself for, for Armageddon. It's, and, you know, the thing is, is that if you want to take offense to some of the things in the movie, there are things in here that you could possibly take offense to. Like the whole, America's great. Although they never really have any quote-unquote negative aspects to the rest of the world. The rest of the world is shot beautifully. Yeah. When they cut to those montages, they're shot beautifully. And granted, very unrealistically. But it's not like they cut to the Middle East and it's jihadists fighting each other and stopping and looking up in the sky. <laughs> At least we don't get fucking what Roland Emmerich did in Independence Day, where they're, we cut to Africa and it's fucking Zulus out in the goddamn uh, Africa savanna. We get we get shots of people being people in different in different areas, and and granted they put they throw stuff in there so that people will get it right away. I think in the one in Italy, there's someone on a moped next to a cafe. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of stupid shit, and you know what? There are times where I need that kind of stupid shit. And guys, I'm going to tell you this. The other thing that always gets me, always gets me, always, always gets me, and I think that this is a major difference between myself and Steve, is that if there is self-sacrifice in a movie, I lose my shit. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I have a hard time making it through the last uh, the last movie in the Lord of the Rings series. It's one of the reasons why, at the end of this movie, as man, as emotionally manipulative as this film is, as bad as the script is, as bad as the special effects are, apparently they had 16 weeks to put this movie together. 16 weeks. That's everything. Edited, done, finished movie. Now, for those of you who don't know, in 1998, to finish a movie with this many special effects in 16 weeks is practically impossible. But somehow they managed to do it. Apparently, Michael Bay called uh, uh, James Cameron and said, I don't know how we're going to do this. <laughs> James Cameron I'm said, doing- step aside, son. <laughs> Because uh, Michael Bay was going in there and doing some of the special effects himself, overseeing some a lot of the special effects shots. The special effects crew was apparently going out of their mind because they had been given this impossible deadline to turn in this film. Can you tell in the movie? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they threw everyone they possibly could find to, to work on the script. They 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 churn this thing out as fast as they possibly could. So, am I going to say it's a good movie? No. You'll never hear me say that. You'll never hear me say that. But do I think that it makes me angry and I'm frustrated. No, it's it's a product of its time. It's a product of that role, that that heyday of, of, of Emmerich and and uh, and Bay when they were actually literally friendly competitors with each other, and they were both going out of their way to make the bigger spectacle film. And this was his entry for that year. And by comparison, the other one that came out this year, Roland's the Roland's dog in that fight was Godzilla. <laughs> And Godzilla ain't entertaining in any way, fucking <laughs> shape, or form. <laughs> so, do you have anything to counter my argument, Steve? You know, I, I just, I would say, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a lunatic, no. and I'm talking. That's the flu talking. No, not at all. I, I just, it's not that I, it's, it, it's impossible for me to have a good time watching it. Yeah. It's just that there, it's, it's, it's the difference between like watching a bad movie that I have affection for and watching a bad movie that I have contempt for. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can have a good time watching them both. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I mean, shit, I can make jokes at Armageddon's expense all day long. Like 
It's a oh, great, yeah. it's a rip roar in time, you know, misting this movie, right? Um, but, <laughs> but there's a difference between like, you know, like you mentioned the fantastic, the, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like that's a movie that is terrible as it is. I, I also, I find it charming and I find it yeah. bad in an endearing way, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't find Armageddon bad in an endearing way. I hate everything I, uh, yeah. about it. Uh, oh, I don't find this movie charming in any way, yeah. shape, or form. So, I don't think that this movie is a charming romp. <laughs> yeah, it's a charming <laughs> romp through an asteroid. Um, I think it's a ridiculous re- display of overblown machismo. Yeah. And and to me, it's funny because it is such a patently overblown and um, calculated um, display of machismo. Yeah. It's like, this is this is so fucking ridiculous, it's almost a parody. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's funny for how full of shit it is. It's funny. Oh, yeah. It's it's funny in the way that like if you if you were like you know if you saw a guy walking down the street with like the sleeves cut off of his shirt and wearing like mm-hmm. a leather jacket and sunglasses but he was he looked like the biggest you know most the least impressive loser you've ever seen but he's swaggering mm-hmm. down the sidewalk like he's you know God's gift to the world right it's that that's <laughs> this movie it's so full of its own you know it's it, it, it's like so desperate to project this like macho facade of like mm-hmm. look how this is awesome look how awesome everything is and it's actually terrible at everything it does. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely yeah, it's it's funny and and in the right in the right context, you know, with the right mindset, yeah, watching it can be a lot of fun. But it's the difference mm-hmm. between uh, a likably bad movie and and a loathsome bad movie. And, and to a me, loathsome bad movie. yeah, and I, to me, this is a loathsome bad movie. I don't like the movie. <laughs> I, I don't like any of the choices the director makes. I don't like it, just, despite a few nice moments from the actors. I don't like any mm-hmm. of the characters. Uh, and some of the characters I downright despise. Uh, and just like like you said, the, the, like the the you know like Harry's Harry's self sacrifice on the asteroid. I agree with you. I think self sacrifice is a, is a is a, a beautiful device to use in a story, and it usually gets mm-hmm. me too. But I'm glad that he's dead. I think he's I think he's awful. I think he's a horrible person, and and I'm glad that he's dead. And his daughter and her fiance are better off without him. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, hey, Steve. <laughs> Okay, time to get to it. Classic yeah. or not classic? Um, not classic. Yeah, I'll not, agree. Not, not classic. classic. Not classic, guys. Even though I'll admit a guilty pleasure to watching this film. And it is, boy, it's a guilty pleasure. And it, it feels good to get that off my chest. But <laughs> there's, there's no judgment here, my friend. This movie, guys, is not good. <laughs> it just isn't. I, honestly, if you're looking for a storyline that's going to suck you in, characters you care about, you know, it's a little meat with your potatoes. You're just getting potatoes and those potatoes aren't even cooked (laughs) so (laughs) it's just raw potatoes yeah so yeah not classic we both agreed not classic i enjoyed it because i'm a sadist steve hated it because he recognizes pain i don't (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's it um now it's time to recommend some movies that we actually like legitimately steve is there a movie that you would like to recommend that, that uh, you know is better than this? Uh, <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not gonna have to try hard. I'm, I am, I'm actually going to recommend a movie that uh, that I, I do, I enjoy a lot more than Armageddon. Um, it, it, I think this movie falls much more on the side of uh, a movie that is a failure, but that I still really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend a movie that I would not call it a good movie.
movie. I don't okay. think I don't think that it is Armageddon bad, but it's not a good movie. But it mm-hmm. is a movie that is very much an ancestor of Armageddon. Armageddon is sort of like um, the 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 ultimate uh product of like the disaster films from the 70s right they, they, yeah. and and it's like let's do that but in space and everybody's going to die well um, the, you know what's funny is the, the, a lot of people reference the disaster movies from like the 1970s and i've seen a few of them recently and yeah. they're not as hopeful <laughs> if you've if you've watched yeah. like earthquake or uh they're kind of bleak uh, yeah they're they're usually pretty goddamn bleak yeah well the movie i'm going to recommend is one of those types of disaster movies it's from the late 70s or sort of the, the the trailing off period of the original disaster movie craze and it's a movie called meteor meteor <laughs> that that is very much i mean armageddon and deep impact too to be fair uh, they, they borrow a lot of plot stuff from meteor um boy it's the, stupid the setup yeah the setup is virtually identical there's a big asteroid heading toward the earth and it's going to be you know if it hits it's going to destroy everything and it's a cast of some really impressive actors. Sean Connery is in it. Carl Malden is in it. Natalie Wood. Uh, Martin Landau. Henry Fonda. I mean, it's a really, really great cast. Who does Henry Fonda play? Henry Fonda plays the president. What a surprise! I know, right? That's all he played for the last parts of his life. He was just... He reached a phase in his career where he was like, if you need the president, call me. Otherwise, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is... It's a really dumb movie. It's... it's oh, boy. It's very silly, uh, and you see a lot of very talented actors doing a lot of work that is frankly beneath them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's only an hour and a half, yeah, and it's goofy and fun, and mm-hmm. uh, and I enjoy it much better than I enjoyed Armageddon, possibly because it is not. It's an hour and a half shorter, <laughs> <laughs> or an hour. It's an hour shorter. It's about an hour shorter. Um, I would agree with you that if Armageddon was an hour shorter, if it was only an hour and a half long, um, yeah, and they tightened it up, and it was still just as goofy and stupid with. The characters it probably would be more acceptable oh yeah so 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 if you want to see a movie that is that is very similar to armageddon but not nearly as bloated and uh in my opinion bad in a much more enjoyable way <laughs> i would highly recommend that you check out uh meteor Yay! Well, um, as you know, I try to pick a movie from the same year uh, as the movie that we reviewed. And, of course, the on-the-nose pick would be Deep Impact, mm. which was a better movie. But I didn't want to go with the on-the-nose pick. I wanted to do something... Usually I try to do something similar, and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna do an opposite thing. I'm going to pick a movie that's kind of the polar opposite of what this movie was this time. So the movie that I'm going to recommend was a teeny tiny little movie that was made for only $68,000. It only made three million dollars in box office um, is a tiny little independent film called Pie. Ooh. Darren Aronofsky's first film. Good movie. And the one that put him on the map and he went on to doing a bunch of weird fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> and this is his first weird fucking movie. <laughs> It's a black and white film. It's about a guy who goes nutty with the with the math, and that's all I'm going to say about it. If you guys you guys are interested in watching Pie, go ahead. You can find it at just about anywhere, and um, it's literally about a guy who goes a little nutty because of uh, because of math and, and numerology and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I don't. It's impossible to give a short description of it. Uh, it's kind of a thriller. It's kind of a psychological horror thing. You have an unreliable narrator throughout. A guy shaves his head. Uh, <laughs> I, c- 
can't describe Pi past that without starting to ruin the film. So, uh, but it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to say it's fun. It's not a fun movie. Like I said, I'm kind of doing the polar opposite of what we just watched, and you can't get much more polar opposite than that. Um, but it is an important film because it is Darren Aronofsky's I- introduction to us. And, you know, he would go on to do, what is it, The Fountain and... Requiem for a Dream. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. And, oh boy, that's a jo- that's a joyful movie. <laughs> that's a it? fun movie. Um, and, <laughs> and The Wrestler, which yeah. is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm going to say. Pi. What do you think of Pi? I think Pi is a really good movie. I actually saw it after I had seen uh, Requiem. I sort of went back and was like, oh, what else has he done? And so you sort, I sort of got his his filmography backwards, where you first you yeah. see Requiem for a Dream, which is like, you know, in some ways his masterpiece, like the ultimate expression <laughs> of his of his his viewpoint and his talent. And then you go back and right. you see Pi, which is a lot smaller and a lot rougher, but um, mm-hmm. it's a really good it's movie. very it's it's very small, it's very rough, but yeah. it's really good. It's a really good movie. It's really good. I saw it in a little independent theater in San Francisco. It was, it was I was surprised by it. one of those movies that make you feel, uh, make you think. One of those movies that have an ending where you have to decide how you feel about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pi. Oh, that's it, guys. Thanks for uh, listening in. Hey, Steve. Yeah. After we got done with Armageddon, uh-huh. you know our next review is going to be coming out around in- inauguration. Uh, speaking of Armageddon, <laughs> probably. So I've I've been thinking maybe we should do something related to the inauguration of Donald Trump as president. Okay, that's a good idea. Oh, I was thinking that maybe we should do something that's wholly appropriate about uh, about someone entering politics that's oh. been influenced by a foreign government. Oh, okay. I think I see where you're going with this. Yeah, because we talked about it before we did the show. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you, mean, you mean that thing we discussed before we started recording? Yeah. yeah. The movie that I think we're going to review next is the original mm-hmm. Manchurian Candidate. Everybody, if you're going to watch the movie before we review it, please make sure it's in black and white and it's got um, the original MILF. <laughs> yeah. Before she, you know, got all Disney-fied up. Before the bread and the bed knobs broomsticks shit. <laughs> and before she became a crime-solving mystery writer. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't remember her name because every time I think of her, I kind of want to say Agatha Christie. <laughs> Angela that's, Lansbury. Thank you, Angela Lansbury. And, uh, you know, old Blue Eyes is in it, yeah. too, <laughs> uh, who proves that he's actually a decent actor. Yeah, absolutely. Which most people don't, I think, appreciate about, about Sinatra is that he could act. Yeah. Um, and seek out the Manchurian Candidate, and then we'll review it next time mm-hmm. on Late Seating. <laughs> Going dark. <laughs> <laughs> you're, doing the, you're doing Heston from the voiceover on Armageddon. <laughs> Now that's it. Thanks for you guys for uh, for listening in. If you uh, do, you guys agree with us? Uh, even though we had different opinions about the movie, disagree with it? We take sides. Let us know. Go to the comment section and say Jason's right or, or Steve's wrong, and then whoever loses will be off the show forever. Pit <laughs> yeah. us against each other. But no, if you guys have your own opinions about them, let us know. Either leave them in the comment section of the SoundCloud or go to the Let Me Listen podcast website. Go to the contact page and leave it for us there. If you guys have suggestions for movies that are coming up, please go to that same contact page and leave them for us. I love getting them, reading them, and I know I never show them to Steve because his disinterest is tantamount. (laughs) Just listen to the show. I don't care to hear from you. (laughs) So that's it. Thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and why do I do this? Because the money's good, the scenery changes, and they let me use explosives, okay? Steve, Mm -hmm. I don't pay you. You're always in the same room. And there's not been explosion one, unless there's something you're hiding from me. We should probably talk off the air. No, we're talking now, because uh, (laughs) you really 
You, I got a package here. Should I open it? Uh, or sh- just uh, okay. No. Wait. <laughs> no. So, wait a minute. So you haven't been paying me all this time? <laughs> no. Go ahead and open the package. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.